Welcome to the Planning Parent Podcast, where we talk to real parents and professionals about solutions and strategies to minimize the hustle and bustle that we parents face daily. This is a place where you will come to listen, learn, and share about all things parenting. I am your host, Krista Hermance. I am a busy mom to two little girls, a wife and estate planning attorney with a focus on families with minor children, an entrepreneur, scuba diver, and golf hobbyist. My passion is helping families create simplicity and bliss in their everyday lives. Welcome to our show. Today, I am joined by Kaylee Kukla. Kaylee earned her bachelor's degree in special education and her master's degree in early childhood education from the University of Florida. For the past 11 years, she has worked in a variety of roles to serve families, including preschool teacher, early interventionist, behavior therapist, and now as a private consultant. Her most recent professional development includes Conscious Discipline, The Play Project, and training with Dr. Ross Green on his collaborative problem-solving approach. Kaylee grounds her work in the most up-to-date neuropsychology, attachment therapy, and developmentally appropriate practices that value the parent-child relationship over compliance. Kaylee empowers parents to understand children's behaviors through brain science and empathy by translating children's behavior into easy-to-follow steps. In between translating brain science to practical tips for parents, Kaylee raises her two boys with her husband in South Florida. She works out daily, loves the ocean, naps, and coffee. Thank you so much for joining me, Kaylee. Hey, Krista. Thanks so much for being here and having me. I am so, so excited to have you on the podcast. I follow you on Instagram. I love your content. If listeners do not follow you, make sure to follow Kaylee. Um, I find that her content is just what I need in the moment when I'm having issues or things are going on with my kids. It just helps kind of remind me and bring me back on track to like where I want to be with my kids, the mom that I want to be with that, really that intentional parenting. And that's what we're talking about in this series is intentional parenting. So what I would like to start with is, Kaylee, the question for you is, how do we help our child build emotional regulation? Well, there are so many layers to that. And so, and emotional regulation is the skill set. So it's not one skill. It's a skill set that really doesn't fully come online until the mid twenties. And most adults are still chasing this idea of emotional regulation and trying to stay regulated in a very dysregulating world. Um, And so when we think about teaching our children emotional regulation, The beauty and the beast, so to speak, is that they really learn from us. So they learn through how we respond to emotions, how we approach emotions, how we approach them, um, how we model dealing with our own big, strong feelings, uh, and and how we show up in the heat of the moment for them. And so the way I layer it, so to speak, is the first, the most important thing, and this is a theme in my work, is that relationship. We build that relationship with our child. And what that does is it really establishes that relational safety. So we are our child's safe person. We're there for them in those hard moments. Through that relational safety, we're able to show them emotional safety. This feeling is safe. 
Like feeling angry is a perfectly safe, acceptable emotion. I tell parents, I'm like, roll out the red carpet for that. You know, this is safe. We can handle it. You know, emotions are information. They're telling us something. And so then once we establish that emotional safety, then the regulation pieces, being aware of the feeling. Okay, I'm feeling my jaw get clenched. You know, my hands get tight. I'm getting really tense throughout my entire body. I'm feeling anger. What is it trying to tell me and what do I want to do with it? That's the regulation piece. Do I need to go on a walk? Do I need to call a friend? But that's a whole lot of skills to put on littles with developing brains. So really, we start practicing that first and then supporting our children and then they learn it with a supported growth and development throughout their early childhood and adolescence and early adulthood. <laughs> and now, I mean, with, you know, with, with the ages we are, you know, it, it's so interesting that the, just the conversation we're having, cause I was driving with my kids this morning. And so mine are, I have two little girls are five and seven. I was taking them to school and my littlest who I talk about on the show all the time, because she's got the big emotions, right? She's, she's got the anger side that that's just how she reacts to things. And she asked me this morning how I respond to a fight. And I said, well, why am I getting in a fight? And it was just this weird conversation to me. And I kind of turned it around to it that I don't use my physical activity in a fight. Mommy prefers to use her words and to have conversations with people. So it's so interesting that we're talking about this now because I had this conversation this morning with my kids on the way to school and my five-year-old who I talk about the most because she does have those big feelings. She asked me specifically how I respond when it comes to acting out. And so she said fighting. And I said, well, what do you mean by fighting? She goes like hitting. And I was like, well, as an adult, I don't generally respond by hitting. Like that is not what I do is I am not trying to be in, to have physical altercations with people. Um, and I probably said that because that's how I talk to my kids. Um, and you'd be surprised the words that come out of their mouth, what they hear from me about, you know, using words like that. Um, but it was just so random to me that because she has all of this aggression and I see her hitting all the time, she asked me, how do I do it? And I said, you know, I don't, I use my words, right? I try to have conversations with people if there's some type of disagreement, but it's not about using force. It's not about being physical. It's about using our words. And so and it was, and I, I had this like very clear vision when I was having this conversation with her because literally an hour before I had already like blown up like two times in the process of getting out the door to, you know, get in the car for school. And so it was just like this full circle where I felt like at peace with this conversation that I was doing better, right? Mm -hmm. That I was kind of, I was getting there. Like it's, to me, it's always try, yep. right? You, you just have to keep trying. Yeah, so. totally. Progress over perfection, always. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> hey, if you are enjoying our show, please make sure to subscribe to the Planning Parent Podcast and join our community on Facebook at The Planning Parent, where we share resources, you can interact with our guests, you can share your experiences, and be part of our parenting community. Now back to our show.
Okay. Well, good conversation then, especially on point with today. So, okay. So like with my five-year-old, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have kids, like, you know, you were talking about before, you just had somebody that has a four-year-old that is, um, what was the term you used? Oh, there's so many. Spirited, highly sensitive, big feelers. I like spirited. So when our kids have these big reactions, how do we handle them? (laughs) So the first, the first and most important thing is that a dysregulated adult cannot regulate a child. So, so often what happens when our child spirals is we feel like the situation is getting out of control. We need to try and control it. We realize we can't control it because we ultimately can't control our children. Uh, and we get more dysregulated. And now we've got two dysregulated people co-escalating together, right? And, and it turns into one of those explosive moments. And a lot of this, I think what's really important to understand is a lot of this is energetic. It doesn't necessarily have to be verbal. It doesn't have to be physical. But a lot of this is just as human beings, we are very energetic people beings. We feel the energy off of people, some of us more than others. So that being said, and I always, I put this caveat in there for the, well, what if your child's about to run into a street? Like, obviously, if your kid is about to book it into traffic, like run, you know, don't take breaths, like run after them. But barring any imminent danger, (laughs) you know, take that moment to go internal And give yourself something you need to stay calm in that moment. Typically, if your kid is having a meltdown, even about putting shoes to get into the car, you know, even if you're running five minutes late, look, you're already invested in being late. Your kid's having the meltdown. You trying to rush them out the door is not going to help you be on time. It's just not. You know, it's because then now you're like wrestling an octopus who's angry and screaming and spitting to get in the car. So taking that moment and telling yourself, like, this is not an emergency. Turn that part of your brain off because if you're in fight or flight, which, you know, is where we are when we're screaming, when we're grabbing our kids, when we're making threats, if we're in that limbic system, We've got to turn that down and say, you know what? This isn't an emergency. I don't need that big, strong reaction. I don't need you. Like, thank you, alarm system in my brain for trying to keep me safe. Turn off now because I am safe. This is safe. I can handle it. We can handle this together. Because then that, what's that, that is going to do is help you approach the situation calmly or more calm (laughs) because we've turned that part of our brain off. We've deactivated that place. Um, We can approach it calmly. And now we're sharing our calm with our child. We are co-regulating with them. We are. And all that means is they're picking up on this calm energy. We're not registered as a threat in their brain. We're not stomping towards them. We're slowing down. We're getting low. Um, and oftentimes if it, if it is a situation like getting in the car, I'll keep moving towards the car. I'll say, Hey, you know, you don't want to put your shoes on. I'm just going to go put this stuff in the car. I'll be right back. That gives me time to calm myself down so I can come back to them in a more regulated state. So I think that's, you know, everybody wants a simple answer, like, a magic phrase to say to your kids when they're melting down. Fact of the matter is usually be quiet 
words are probably just going to set them off more because they're already overwhelmed and overstimulated and your words are just more stimulation coming into their brain. Oftentimes being quiet, being calm, wow, this is this is really important to you. Holy smokes. You know, I didn't know that. That calm, confident energy is really what's going to help take the edge off of that initial explosion. Yeah. I, since I've kind of started on this path of the, just learning so much about intentional parenting and with all of the professionals and, and amazing people that I've interviewed, it's, I mean, it, you know, it's helping me become a better mom to my kids, right. And, and, and having this kind of like first, first row seat to all of it. And I mean, even this morning when everything was kind of going down, I do recall specific situations where rather than react, I stop and I take a breath and that, and it helps me remember, okay, I don't need to respond in a yelling manner. And it's, and I, I really do it. it, It's work, right? It's, it's just this always consistent thing where you have to keep trying. And I can recall just, you know, within the last couple of days, how many times I've wanted to react, but I don't, I stop and I just take a deep breath and that helps kind of center me to be like, okay, well, I don't want to respond in yelling. Right. And then what I find is, well, what's wrong with her right now? And so again, this morning, cause it was all kinds of stuff. I just got down to her level and I hugged her and rocked her and that made her so calm right? And she stopped crying and she was in that safe place. And it was just this, like, I don't know that I would have responded that way before. It's like, I'm late. I got to go to work, you know, hurry up, get to school, you know, deal with it yourself. Like, but now it's different. Right. And I, I attribute it to all of this, this, these amazing words that you guys share. Well, I think that's so powerful because it really does show this opportunity for growth. And I just always like to give this shout out to the mom that's listening because I was this mom who is like, what is this pause that you're talking about? There is no pause. (laughs) I have no pause because we are in a state, if you deal with anxiety, depression, you were in this state of reactivity and it's so hard to find that pause. And that is why I say instead of just the pause, which I think is really powerful and I can practice it now. But five years ago when I was in it, you know, postpartum anxiety, infinite home, three-year-old, like in the trenches, um, there was no pause. And it was recognizing my brain was registering everything as an emergency. And it really wasn't. It wasn't an emergency that my three-year-old was melting down because he had to wear pants, Mm -hmm. you know, but my brain was acting like it was. And so it's that, it's just fostering that awareness. And so I just like to throw that out there. If there is a mom listening, that's like, I don't know what these women are talking about. This pause doesn't exist for me. I see you. I hear you. I've been there. Start paying attention to what lies your brain is telling you and help yourself rewrite those. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) I think that's a, it's a great message because I, I think I was in the same place, right? It wasn't until I was actively trying and, and just trying to be more, trying to have more empathy with my kids. And that's really what started it for me was, was just trying to just be more cognizant of their feelings. 
It's beautiful. You know, they're little humans. Yep. Right. We want to, we want to, we want to treat them. Totally. And it's just, it's a different mindset. So, okay. What is the gentle no? I'm so excited to learn this. <laughs> okay. So the gentle no. So these are for the spirited children. So when you, when you lay a limit down or when you give a boundary, like, you know, it's not time to do that, or it's not time to go outside. It's time to take a bath when, when there's a limit, you know, and we, we do have to set limits for children. Like children need, I always, it's like guardrails, right? We don't want them driving over the edge. We don't want to put them on autopilot and try and control them all the time, but they need these bumper rails to help keep them safe. And so with these more spirited, more passionate, more driven, more opinionated children, sometimes those boundaries, it is just exhausting to assert them and have that strong pushback at every turn of the day. So the Gottman Institute, which is an institute that researches actually marriages, um, and they've been around since like the 70s. It's an incredible institution. They have in for a marriage, they call it the gentle startup. And so I was reading about this gentle startup for having difficult conversations within a marriage about the sticky stuff. You know, maybe the, a child who's having issues or financial, like all the sticky stuff we get to work through in marriage. And um, I was like, maybe there's something to this gentle startup with children. And I was like, it's, it's the gentle no. So when a child, I always like to use a cookie as an example, because I think we can all relate to like a child demanding a snack at an inopportune time, (laughs) right? That never happens. Never, never. 15 times a day, but yes, go ahead. It was literally my kids walked in the other day with their grandma at 5 PM. I was literally like taking dinner out of the oven and my kid like listed three snacks that he wanted. (laughs) And I was like, no, dinner is literally served. We're not opening up snack cabinet right now. Like, Sounds like mine. Sounds right? like mine. Okay. So the gentle no. So because oftentimes we say, you know, give the limit and then validate the feelings. I like to start with validating the feelings and the message and the child's priority first. So when they say, I want a cookie, even if I no, the answer is going to be no. So let's take my situation, for example. It is 5.15. You just walk through the door. Dinner is literally on the counter about ready to be put on the table. It's a hard no for any sort of snack. You're wanting a snack right now. I reflect back their message first. I, I want a cookie right now, mom. You want a cookie right now. Oh, you're thinking about a cookie. So I I started with that validation first before laying the limit down. Now, if it's not like in this situation, I'm just going to play it out. This is not exactly how it happened, but it could be. I've done this in the past. So let's say, you know, I reflect, you want a cookie right now? He's like, yeah. Then I pause and I wait. I want more information because I want to give him an opportunity to explain more to me. Tell me more. Sometimes this has happened. It was not the other night, but it has happened. Remember, mommy, you told me I could have a cookie after school today when Mina picked me up. Mina's what they call their grandmother. When I got home with Mina. Now, in my head, I'm going, okay, but I thought you were going to get home at 345. Instead, you guys went and did something fun. Now you're home later. But now I'm understanding where he's coming from and I'm understanding his expectations more. 
So now this is giving me an opportunity to value what he's saying, collaborate with him, and not completely shut him down. Now, this isn't always the case. Sometimes, like it was the other day, like, oh, well, um, I hear you want a cookie. It's not time for a cookie right now. It's time for dinner and then make space for the big feelings, right? Because it probably will be, he'll have some strong opinions about that. But let's say that he brings something up. He's like, yeah, remember you told me. I could, oh my gosh, I did. You're right. Now, in this case, I might say, you know, you're right. You were expecting to have a cookie after school. I totally forgot about that. I'm willing to go ahead and put the cookie on your dinner plate. We're not going to sit down and have only a cookie because it's dinner time first or it's dinner time now. Let's go ahead and you can have it on the side of your plate. You can have it you know, with your second helping of dinner or, you know, now we can get into this workable know that there's still a limit, there's still some structure, but I really am valuing his input. The other piece of that too is let's say it just is a no, like no. And and it was for us the other day, he wanted three snacks. He wanted like pretzels, cookies, like he wanted the whole snack cabinet. I was like, yeah, shut that down. No. And it was very much that you were expecting to have a snack. It sounds like you're really hungry right now. I have dinner ready for you. So it was much more about, okay, he's feeling hungry. I validated, you know, I I let him know, I see you, I hear you, I understand what you're saying. It's still the limit. I bet you're pretty hungry. You just had a long day, you know, doing fun things. Here's dinner. It was still the same limit. It because so often I just want parents to be aware that we just react with no before we even consider what our child is saying. And even as an adult, that just doesn't feel good. You know, hey hun, do you wanna grab something to eat tonight? You know, instead of cooking at home, do you wanna grab no. Oh, I mean, we just feel shut down. Yeah. So, so slowing down and really considering what our child is saying, it doesn't mean we're giving in. It doesn't mean we're changing the limit. It just means we're giving them time and respect and we're letting them know, I value what you have to say. It doesn't mean I'm going to acquiesce. It doesn't mean I necessarily agree with you. It just means I value what you have to say. I value you is the message we're giving. And as humans, we all want that, especially from the people we love most. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like it. I'm going to try it. And anybody listening, if you try it, let us know. I'm I'm curious to see, because I, I, I think that's exactly right, is we're just so conditioned just to know immediately. And then, of course, we get upset. Why wouldn't they get upset? So it's just sometimes it's, you know, having these conversations and listening to it from a different perspective make things so clear. And that's why I love podcasts (laughs) because you get into these points, right? You get into it. Okay. Last thing I want to finish up with is how we as parents can keep our cool and not lose it on our kids. Any suggestions, maybe some tips for the parents listening? Yeah, I think, so look, I'm a realist. I go into this as, you know, a mom with a lot of baggage who's done a lot of work. I by no means want to be put up on the pedestal as the perfect mom who's always calm, gentle, and like, you know, Daniel Tiger's mom. I'm not Mama Tiger. 
Um, so let's just get that out of the way real fast. So I think that first of all, understanding that so much of our reactivity is due to, an, just like our children's reactivity, is due to an underlying cause. And especially coming out of this like two-year pandemic, these weird, I feel like we're still living in this like nebulous time. It's kind of weird. There's a lot of transitions going on for a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of needs as moms, especially, that go unchecked. We're very quick to dismiss our needs and not take care of ourselves because we're too busy taking care of other people. And what that does is it starts building resentment. It increases reactivity because there's that, well, I haven't even gone in the bathroom today. Like, I'm not getting you another snack. Like, I've just got to, ah, and we explode. When we take time throughout the day, so here's here's the trick if you want to say, and I did a self-inventory checklist. And literally, I remember when I had a toddler and a baby, it was like, when was the last time I emptied my bladder? When was the last time I had a drink of water? Like, just throughout the day, checking in with ourselves and saying, what do I need? Because when we feel taken care of, valued, when we have our needs met, we are much more likely to be able to show up in a regulated manner. If we're exhausted, burned out, feel neglected, we can't hold ourselves to this expectation of being calm, cool, collected when, you know, we don't even get a chance to sit and eat all day long. Yeah. There's just, there's just, this overwhelming, I think, expectation that we can do it all, be it all, and be the perfect mom. And it's just not, it's just not realistic. You know, we're human beings. We have limits. We have needs. We're high maintenance. Humans, to keep alive, are high maintenance. We need a lot. <laughs> um, and that's okay. We're worth it. As a human, we are worth meeting those needs. And so I think, you know, it really does if we wait till in the moment to try and do something like a quick fix, we're setting ourselves up for failure. Yeah. It's really this ongoing practice of showing ourselves compassion. You know what? You're allowed to be annoyed. You haven't had a break from this all day. What is one way? I remember during the pandemic when it was like locked down, we were home together 24-7. I started this practice of sitting at my kitchen table with a can of bubbly water and drinking it, not standing up while I was drinking it before I would get up and start dinner because dinner was witching hour. I needed that little bit of rest. Like, and I had no help. So it was like, put on a show for the kids. You know, like I just do whatever I have to do to meet some of my needs so that then I can show up as a more regulated, calmer, safer, emotionally safe parent for my children. Yes. Yep. I like it. Makes sense to me. I'm excited to see your your inventory for this because I think it would be very helpful for a lot of people. Just this, you know, because I I find that that's when I'm the most irritated is if I literally just walk through the door and it's, I need this, I need this, I need this. I, I'm like, I, I haven't even put my stuff down yet. 
So a quick tip on that, because yes, I, because often I would, you know, be on the phone with the client driving to pick up my kids and then the kids get in the car and the demands start instantly. And I really, this was through a conversation with my therapist, I really needed that buffer time. Like I will not take calls unless it's an emergency, will not take calls in the car because I've got to switch gears, right? I've got to go from being like professional Kaylee, parent coach Kaylee, like podcast Kaylee, whatever, to like being mom. I have to switch the role. And so I get in the car and I'll listen to a podcast that grounds me. I'll jam out to music, you know, depending on what I need. Yeah. So I think just developing those little small practices, being aware of that, being attuned to your own needs is really where that starts. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your amazing insight with us. Um, I am, I'm so excited to hear what people take from this and what they can take back to their kids and, and just, you know, help them. And you have some free stuff to share, right? So you have a free download. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah. So it's just the mindset shifts and scripts. So the shifts are our inner talk. You know, like you were saying, they're not giving me a hard time. They're having a hard time. So there's uh, a sheet of those. And then in the download as well, there's some scripts. So if you're wanting to make these changes and you're like, I just don't even have the words to say with my kids. Like, I know I want to say it differently. I just don't know how to say it. There's some scripts to get you started. And then the core membership, that's where, that's my membership. That's just where I have a ton of resources for moms, workshop, ongoing support, encouragement, weekly Q&A. The inventory is one of the downloads in there. It's just all the things, the tools, depending on where you are in your parenthood journey. Perfect. And we will have all of those links in the show notes so that you guys can get all of these amazing resources and connect with Kaylee. And where can people find you? All right. Well, you found me on Insta. So I'm, I did. <laughs> I'm on Instagram. It's just my name at Kaylee Kukla. Uh, you can look how to spell that because it's quite the mouthful. Um, <laughs> and then I'm also on Facebook. And then my website is um, KayleeKukla.com. And it has, you know, people can join the mailing list if they want. I wish I could tell people that I email them like on a regular basis. <laughs> I don't. Um, you'll only get, you know, helpful, helpful, sporadic emails from me because I'm really conscientious about that. So yeah. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much for joining us today. I truly appreciate it. My pleasure, Krista. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for the Planning Parent Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, write a review, and share our podcast. Please check the show notes for resources and all the ways to connect with us, including joining our community on Facebook at The Planning Parent, and follow us on Instagram at The Planning Parent. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and got some great solutions and strategies to help you achieve the simplicity and bliss you deserve. And remember, take a deep breath. You do matter. You're doing a great job.